0: I'm Misty Winkler, here with Episode 8 of the Simply Convivial Audio Blog. This is the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, short but maybe focused sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschool mom. Convivial, if broken down to the Latin parts, means with life. And that's what we want for our homeschools, isn't it? Convivial is about the atmosphere of our homes and homeschools it points us to a life lived abundantly bursting at the seams with all the mess and recovery that that entails simply on the other hand reminds us to put first things first and not complicate living or learning just do it together simply convivial We claim the label classical for our homeschool because all the great pre-modern educators remind us that education is about growing in wisdom, not increasing our earning potential. Those reminders about how to grow in wisdom have been remarkably consistent until Darwinism captured the West's imagination. Read widely, discuss, and do the right thing. We all want some variation on that theme, whatever label we choose. So let's gear up and keep our priorities straight. Let's do it! In Season 2, I'm going through an old series based off my first reading of the teaching classic The Seven Laws of Teaching by John Milton Gregory. I called this series The Seven Laws of Teaching Your Own and worked through adapting his classroom examples to homeschool examples, focusing on the principles that apply to learning across the board. You can visit simplyconvivial.com slash audio to download a summary sheet of The Seven Laws and find each episode as they're released, as well as the original series. And now, The Meat. The Seven Laws of Teaching Your Own Law 2, The Law of the Learner John Milton Gregory, author of The Seven Laws of Teaching, defines education as embracing all the steps and processes by which an infant is gradually transformed into a full-grown and intelligent man. Here are two facets of this transformation that he gives. First, development of capacities, and second, acquisition of experience. One way that we guide experience, as mothers and teachers, is by, quote, furnishing the child with the heritage of the race. History, literature, art, and science are all means of giving our children a rich inheritance of human experience. Gregory writes, The result to be sought is a full-grown physical, intellectual, and moral manhood, with such resources as are necessary to make life useful and happy, and as will enable the individual to go on learning from all activities of life the laws that he lays out are how we work toward such results moreover gregory informs us that no one who follows these laws need fail so long as he quote has qualities that enable him properly to maintain the good order necessary to give them free and undisturbed action good teaching will often bring about good order law 2 The Law of the Learner states that the learner must attend with interest to the material to be learned. A learner, which is what our children are supposed to be, cannot be passive. To become a learner, a child must have two things, interest and attention. Unless and until the child becomes invested with interest and attention to the lesson, the teacher teaches but in vain. Gregory writes, One may as well talk to the deaf, or to the dead as attempt to teach a child who is wholly inattentive. So what is attention exactly? Gregory develops three types of attention, one progressing to the next naturally, and it is leading his students through this progression, the development of attention, that is the teacher's duty. First comes passive attention. Passive attention is characterized by flitting, it is playful and docile. No effort of the will is involved. Such attention allows outside forces to dictate what is attended to. This is the most typical type of attention, especially in young children. Second comes active attention. Active attention is characterized by control, persistence, resolution, duty, determination. Such attention requires effort. It is mental toil. Active attention is a distinctly human capability to control the mind's focus despite allurements, fancies, and temptations. Third and finally comes secondary passive attention. Secondary passive attention is characterized by absorbed fascination being caught up in and carried away by what one has determined to focus one's mind upon the object of attention is attractive, demanding little or no effort to exert very focused and absorbed attention. In modern psychology, this kind of attention is currently called flow. It is this third type of attention, flow, that teachers should seek out for their pupils. Secondary passive attention results in efficient learning, effective learning, pleasant learning. However, secondary passive attention is the reward, the fruit of diligent, active attention, one cannot move from passive to secondary passive, passing over active attention. Active attention is work, and it is necessary, though it is not the end goal, but rather moves us toward our end goal of achieving flow. Gregory writes that, it seems to be generally true that these sustained and abiding interests are to be purchased only at a price and the price is strenuous effort. Human experience during the long ages has taught few lessons that are more dependable than that which predicates effort, sacrifice, and persistence as the chief ingredients of success. And this holds as generally of success in learning as it does of success in business, art, invention, and industry. So what is the role of the teacher in this? It is, Gregory maintains, that of a counselor and guide, not a taskmaster, for attention gained through fear or force not only does not last, but it creates a distaste for that which it is forced to attend to. The teacher is to aim for secondary passive attention through gradual advancement that makes the effort worthwhile to the student. Handily, Gregory has some proposed methods for moving the student through such gradual advancements. First, problems. Give the children a problem to solve to motivate them to seek the material you want them to learn. This is the best for initial momentum or for an engaging break from abstract studies. 2. Sensory Hand gestures, looks, many-toned voices, illustrations are artificial stimuli to use when necessary, but these will not produce lasting attention. 3. Relation Relate the information being presented to the past or the future of the pupil to create concentration with genuine interest. Touch his own personality with the material. 4. Delight. Sympathetic interest can be compelled by a delighted teacher. 5. Age Appropriateness. Interests will mature from the concrete and self-centered towards abstract and ultimate as the students grow. Do not expect or aim for interest beyond the abilities of your children. Keep their interest and their attention proportional to their age and abilities. The primary hindrances to attention are apathy and distraction, and the primary causes of these hindrances are lack of interest, lack of taste, and weariness. The teacher's duty is to determine the cause and work an appropriate angle to help the student out of his funk or folly. If illness or fatigue is the cause of the student's difficulty, then a wise teacher will not force the lesson. The teacher needs insight and wisdom. If insight and wisdom are essential elements, then this is an area where the homeschooling mother has an advantage. Who else is going to have more insight into her own child? Who else would dedicate enough time and attention to the individual child than the child's mother? Of course, the flip side is that sometimes we are so buried in the situation that we cannot see it clearly. In such cases, seeking the advice of friends and mentors and our own mothers and husbands will often yield the fresh perspective and insight that we need. What I was struck by most was that cultivating attention on the part of the student requires attention on the part of the mother. The mother teacher has to keep her attention on her students and maneuver and shift and adjust on the fly to keep things going at a steady, effective clip. That is a skill to be practiced and perfected. These are the rules that John Milton Gregory lays out in order to apply this principle. I've chosen a few of them, stated them briefly, and changed the application to our own homeschooling contexts. First, Never begin until attention is secured and never continue when it is lost. We cannot simply barrel through our plans and yank the kids along for the ride. We have to be sympathetic and watch for the cues of their attentiveness. Teaching or reading aloud without the children's attention is the worst waste of time. Second, never exhaust the student's attention. Stop at or before the first signs of fatigue. Again, wisdom and attention are needed to differentiate fatigue and laziness, to know how to awaken our kids' attention, and to keep lessons short and meaningful. Third, adapt the length of the lesson to the age of the student. Do not pull a young child through a long lesson. Keep each lesson short and sweet and frequent. Fourth, kindle and maintain the highest possible interest in yourself, in the subject at hand. True enthusiasm is contagious. This is perhaps one of the most difficult for the mother at home. The enthusiastic, contagious homeschool moms are often those who are excited about making up for their own education while home educating. If we want to learn how to love what is good and true and beautiful, and are on the lookout for the good and the true and the beautiful, then we can have contagious attention and interest. Fifth, appeal whenever possible to the interests, self-interest, hobby interests, etc., of the students. We should seek out ways to connect the knowledge or skill to be gained to the personality of the student. Here is another area where the mother has the advantage of personal knowledge and one-on-one time. Here is where she will be tempted to shove a book off onto her child and wash her hands of the matter. Sixth, reduce distractions. Another simple yet sometimes impossible task. One child might be distracted by noise, another by clutter, And another could very well be distracted by being forced to sit still. Wisdom, again, is required. And again, we as mothers must be paying attention while requiring attention of our children. Seventh, prepare thought-provoking questions beforehand that are tailored to the student's age and ability. What prepare beforehand... This is where it is handy to have a formula for a discussion question, such as Andrew Kern's suggestion of, should X have done Y? Another option would be to ask if the reading reminded the child of anything else that they have read or seen. Eighth, study the best use of your eyes and hands. Your students will respond to your nonverbal, both intentional and unintentional, clear and masked signals. In other words, if I am bored, I won't be able to hide it from the kids. Violations of the law of the learner: First, one might as well teach an empty room than teach a class with divided attention. We do not want to be the Charlie Brown teachers. Second. Urging the students to continue past their fatigue will only increase their weariness and frustration. One tried and true method of this is to send the kids to run laps outside when their attention or attitude starts flagging. Third, teaching without interest in the subject or the pupil models apathy most effectively. Ouch. Fourth, droning speech and routine monotony kill attention. Just getting through the material is not what we are after. We must be purposeful and intentional in making attention our top priority during school time. Gregory concludes, The teacher should master the art of gaining and keeping attention and of exciting genuine interest, and he will rejoice at the fruitfulness of his work. Clearly he is in agreement with Charlotte Mason who wrote, It is impossible to overstate the importance of this habit of attention. It is within the reach of everyone and should be made the primary object of all mental discipline. For whatever the natural gifts of the child, it is only so far as the habit of attention is cultivated in him that he is able to make use of them. So let us secure and expand our children's attention that they may become true learners. And now it's time for the simple sanity saver. Do a homeschool audit. To begin your own homeschool audit, look at your situation. You can't make an ideal homeschool plan in a vacuum, ignoring your own particular needs and circumstances. This section in the free homeschool audit guide asks you to score your situation to assess the drains on your energy. The scores are totally arbitrary, but give you a grid by which to evaluate why your days might be feeling so hard. Maybe they feel so hard because they are so hard. As you look over the questions in the free guide, which sections give you the most points? And is there something that you can do to lower your score? Are there ways that you can compensate for a high score in one area by lessening your responsibilities in another? One question in this section asks you to add points if you have no homeschooling friends you can talk to weekly. I think we underestimate what a help it is to have friends to chat with, friends with whom to share the load, even if only the mental load and not the daily work of educating our kids. Local friends who know you and your family are the best and it is worth rearranging life to foster those friendships. If that's not possible, finding like-minded women online is the next best option. But we, but we all need friends to share the journey with and talk shop. Seek out friendships and cut something else out rather than cutting off your friends when the time feels tight. To work through your own homeschool audit with all the prompts and some practical processing and application ideas, go to simplyconvivial.com audio for the free homeschool audit guide. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. This helps the iTunes algorithm know that it should share it with others looking for homeschool inspiration. And if you haven't already, head on over to SimplyConvivial.com/slash audio for links to the latest episodes, the homeschool audit download, and to sign up to get the show notes by email every week. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat.